When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Sunshine. Hey, this is Broccoli. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to Tobin, Tobin Tonight. Tonight. Like, I feel like there's a little bit of a mix up here because you know what? She's wearing green and you're wearing blue. That is not sunshine and broccoli colors. You know what I'm saying? I know. I was wearing green all day. This is my time to be blue. You guys, it's been a while since we conversed. We've never done the video format. We have done the audio. So how do I look? Am I like, I'm, I'm definitely not TV ready because look at this bedhead hair. But like, oh, you look great. Your yeah, beard man. too. Yeah, yeah. You're going on. It's very easy going. <laughs> And you're a Detroit Red Wings uh, fan, I see as well. Yeah, no, this is this is all no, no, no. Yeah, it's totally mine. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel bad if it was like a few years ago when they weren't doing so well, and I'm yeah. like, no, this is a this is just a setup room. But they're on the up and ups, so they I are. feel like I can be proud to say that yes, this is my room. This is a Detroit Red Wings room. I want to ask you guys, like, how have you been since the last time we talked? Because the last time we talked, it was like the pandemic. People were kind of focusing on, like, how do we avoid it? I believe, Lisa, you were headed out of Toronto in the sense, like, you were going to a cabin. Brock had his own plants. But, like, tell me, how have you been since then? We have been great. We've been really, really good. I, since we spoke last, had another baby. Uh, So I have two boys now. Brock got married. He's a newlywed-ish. They just celebrated their first year of marriage. And Sunshine and Broccoli land, it's been really phenomenal. We have the opportunity to collaborate with amazing artists over the pandemic and really collaborate with companies and businesses that maybe we wouldn't be able to reach. And because everything went online, we were able to like do things for Indigo and Mastermind and Blue Mountain and all these places that we're really looking for entertainment for the children. So we've been really good. I was not invited to the wedding. I did not know about the kid. Thanks a lot. You guys thought we were close, <laughs> thought we were friends. Uh, I want to ask you though, talking about all those topics, getting into a little bit, like, you know, the virtual world, some people like it. Some people are not for it. I'm a little bit of both. Cause I will give you this example as I do with many cases in this podcast. When Artists went virtual. There were a lot of them that were like, hey, I don't want to be poking a bear. People are already kind of paranoid with this pandemic. And now I'm going to promote an album. Like that just seems like all about me. And then there's other people like, well, it's my career. I need to make money somehow too. But I enjoyed it to be like the virtual world. Like if I seen Luke Combs or like lights going live and it was not even like, something scheduled they could just preemptively do it and then i think i've heard lights sing like a smash mouth song which i don't think i'd hear her sing on tour and i was like this is kind of cool because then she gets a real live aspect of people commenting like whether they like it or not you because in a fan aspect if you're in a big stadium and someone's yelling from five rows back 
you know, just play your new stuff. You can't hear that. And I guess that's sometimes good, but you actually get instant feedback. So how do you kind of react to the virtual world? Cause I know it's children entertainment, family entertainment. Did you like respond positively to that? Or was it kind of like, man, just wish we could go out and like hug some kids. Well, I think it, it was a bit of both. Like we, we obviously love being live and interactive with the kids, but this provided us a platform for us to get right inside their living room with them and their family and to have them re- or their parents respond interactively, sending us comments throughout our show, song recommendations. And yeah. we actually, I think we adapted very, very well to it. And it also allowed us to collaborate with other artists very easily. We we kind of ascended through through the pandemic. And what do you think was like the most kind of difficult part of the pandemic? Because, you know, you did say reaching out to acts like you can do that now on social media, which is a cool platform. And sometimes they'll see something, whether it be through an ad that you share or just stumbling across a word search and they see it. But like what were some of the, I guess, building blocks that you're kind of like, oh man, we got we to gotta find a way around this? I think that the pandemic, like any other performer or anyone in the entertainment business, it really made a halt financially, right? Because I remember for us, it was March break and we were fully booked like every single day with several shows a day and one by one they were dropping. And so although we shifted very fast to the online world. I mean, I think almost immediately and every single day at 11 AM, we did a live show until it got really saturated. And, you know, and what was really hard is like, and to this day, people come up to us and say, thank you for what you did for us for the pandemic, because every single day my kid tuned in and you were there. And then when it got saturated and we were kind of also it's not the same, right? Like it's not the same, even though, and then, you know, you see, and I do the same. Like I really try to support people who are doing lives because it's really hard to show up online by yourself. So I really try to just like, like click into somebody's live, but then you don't stay the whole time because life is life and busy. And so I think that the, the, the roadblocks for us were more, I mean, financially, we obviously weren't making what we did, But there was also, like Brock said, a lot of really cool opportunities that came from that. I always find the biggest jump for me, because like when I do pre-recorded interviews or chats compared to like live, like I don't think I worry about so much the following or how many viewers it has. It's just it's just me being prepared because I feel like preemptively you can always like edit things like, you know, if you Mm -hmm. you do shows, you can kind of edit things. You can kind of be the master of your own control live is his own beast its own animal that's mm-hmm. why like sometimes when you look at snl i feel like there's people that will go online on saturday night live and be like this is the worst cast ever this is like the horrible like this is horrible and that's just me no i'm not kidding uh but like <laughs> but then there's like you have to give them credit because yeah they rehearse but it's live and they're now in front of us like a whole audience and if a line doesn't go the way that they planned it if something like just get, like, I don't know, like something on the set falls, it's not supposed to fall. Cause I've seen bloopers on that stuff. It's like, how do you react? But a virtual world, cause I think SNL for a while did it without an audience. And it was kind of really weird to see that. It's like, uh, I don't know where to laugh. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then that throws everyone off. So I can imagine virtually when you're saying, Hey, I see you out there, Zach, clap your hands. And it's like, but you can't really see Zach. 
So you're just kind of like, I hope he's clapping his hands. <laughs> but in like a concert setting, you can see the big bright faces, the smiles, and that kind of keeps you going. Were there times, I guess, during this time frame, like that you're kind of like, I know people are relying on you. Like you said, people are like, you're, I'm there with you. But were there times that you mentally were kind of like, oh man, like it's, it's just not the same. Like, can we find something else? I mean, that's a, a very good question. It, again, like as Sunshine said, um, there was a point when it, it got saturated. There was so much online and we were seeing so much, so many people do their music shows and the same thing. And, and it, it is kind of hard to not get a response from yeah. your songs, especially when our songs are very interactive, very engaging. And it's just like, we want to hear the audience sing and clap along and come dance with us. And when you don't get that, it, it just uh, diminishes that level of live entertainment a little bit. Yeah, because I, I know there was like, a, even to this day, and that's cool, because like, the amount of acts you follow, but like on any given second, someone goes live on Instagram. And it's like, I feel like during the pandemic, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm staying tuned. I want to see it. But now it's like every five minutes, if I follow someone, it's like, I'm going live with this person or I'm going live here. And I'm just like, I want to, I want to watch it. But at the same point, it's like, I want to do my own stuff too. So it's kind of like that divide. And I remember really early in the pandemic, and I guess you guys can relate to this in the same sense. It's like Jeremy Fisher was doing things. Splash and Boots was doing things. There's a whole, uh, like, I think Sharon and, Sharon and Bram. Yeah. And then I'm just trying to remember the, the sister's name or her daughter's name, but they were doing things. And I'm just like, okay, so if you're a parent and you're following all these different platforms, you're kind of like needing four or five iPads in a room, just being like, all right, here's iPad one. You got sunshine broccoli. Here's iPad two. Here's iPad three. And it's just like, I get it. Then you're just kind of like, where do we go from here as the entertainer? But I guess like post pandemic, if you can say that, I know that we still got to be kind of cautious, careful, all that, especially in the winter months. Cause that's when it's flu season. How do you guys now adapt with the social media side of things post pandemic? Like, do you still kind of post things live or is it more or less like, Hey, here's an update. Check us out at this event. Yeah. For us, thank God the, our world is back. We just actually did two sold out CD release shows and it was amazing to see people in the theater alive. You almost forget about the pandemic, yeah. even forget about COVID. Like it was just normal. You know, they showed up to our shows the way they normally would. And I think for us, like, thank God, I'll never forget the first show we did back from the pandemic was the Royal Botanical Gardens. And it was an outdoor show. And this was like well over a year ago. I think close to two years ago in the summer. And it was like, you know, everybody was outside and everybody was distance, but like we were on stage and we were rocking and the kids were rocking and the parents were rocking and everybody's faces was light lit up. And it's, it's something we can't take for granted anymore. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. 
We'll be talking to the people who worked at 4Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. I, I want to ask you, though, in talking about this, because I know this is like the sixth album you have out recently. Like, I think it was like October 28th. Yeah. You put that out. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about that, because like, I know there was one that you had a Juno, a Juno nomination for, and I think that's kind of cool because, like, listen, I've never been nominated for a Juno. Uh, like, like, I feel like one day I should, and then they'll just be like, well, if you're going to ask for one, like, obviously we're not going to give you one now. You have to earn it. And I'm like, oh, man, okay, I'll, I'll learn how to earn it. But, like, number one, let's talk about, like, the new album. Like, tell me something that a little bit different from the fifth album, from other albums, because I know artists like to – create something new in each album. Was there something in this one that you're like, okay, we didn't touch it on the fifth one, but let's do it on the sixth. Or was there something like of a sound or type of feel that you were going for? Well, it it kind of, it happened very organically and it was just during the pandemic. We also wanted to comfort families and kids knowing we have a song, you know, I'm going to be okay. Just showing them that you are going to be okay and you're going to get through this and there's going to be another side to it. And we were so fortunate to collaborate with many artists on our new album, such as uh, the recent Juno Award winner, Cairo McLean, the youngest Juno Award winner of all time. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, we wrote an amazing song called Born to be Brave. And I really do think that's what sums up what this album is about. And it's okay to make mistakes and you will pursue, you'll get through it and just keep on keeping on, keep going through it. So like, how did that collaboration come to be? Because I know... I'm a big fan of say walk off the earth and Mm. like, you know, some of the times that I'll look at their music and then you see like, they'll post some clips and then the next minute someone reaches out to them and then that becomes a whole ordeal. And then sometimes it's just literally like just them messing around. And the next minute it's like, you see an artist just DM them. Like, I think there was like a song that I really liked by them. And then Tyler Shaw got in on it because Tyler Shaw is like really good at like, TikTok and just implementing things. I'm like, that's great because it still gives him some levity and a career in that as well. But were you like reaching out to Axe to be involved or did they just kind of come to you? Cause it's, it's reggae. Now, you know, I will speak for myself. I'm not very reggae ish. I don't listen to a lot of it, but like, you know, kids will tune into anything if you make it sound great, but like, tell me how that came to be. Well, we actually, um, it was through a doctor's office. I was taking my father's appointment. I know it's very strange story. And the receptionist there overheard my father and I talking about how we were nominated for a Juno. And she says, do you you mind if I interrupt you and ask you? Because my son is just recently nominated for a Juno award. His name's Cairo McLean. And then all of a sudden I started talking with his mom, who's the receptionist. And my dad was in his appointment. And I was there for about 45 minutes talking with her, just trying to guide her through all the motions because she didn't know what to do. And we created such an amazing relationship. We invited Cairo over to um, Sunshine's place and we wrote a song with him and Kurt Diamond, who's also a multi-Juno award winner. And it just happened so naturally. 
And that's how it came to be. We met through uh, the mom through a doctor's <laughs> office and through synergy. It was just meant to be. I'm glad I'm glad dad got his appointment because I'd be a little bit concerned if you bring him to the appointment. And it's like, I know, dad, you have an appointment, but like I'm, I'm talking over here and it's yes. just on like, like I have to get this thing done. It's like, no, no, no. It's like if you go in there, this is all, this whole thing gets ruined. How has the reception been for the album, for the songs that you play? And like, do you find that they kind of embrace the reggae side of things? I think this album is getting the most incredible response and it's really interesting because, as I said, you know, I was pregnant when 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 we wrote the majority of these songs and going into the studio was not as consistent as it usually we take like a week and we go in and it's done. Yeah. And our producer was pretty unbelievable and very understanding. I think we started recording when I was pregnant mm -hmm. and then took some time off and then Brock would go in and do some stuff and bring in some other musicians. So I actually didn't hear the finished product until he mastered it. I heard things here and there. I'm so obsessed with this album. Like that's all my kids listen to. I do uh, drop off. I drop my son off at school and parents are also blasting it. They're like, look, we're listening to. And it's honestly, I have to say truly I'm in awe that this is our album. It is. And we've had really amazing feedback from people in the industry who have written and said like, this is you know, there's nothing like this out there right now for kids. And it's a real honor to be able to take our musical talents, which we have always used in our albums. Brock and I both went to school for musical theater. That's how we know each other. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to, to take that and then create this album with messages that are so powerful and so strong. And the hooks are so catchy and, I think there's one song in the album that I'm like, eh, but other than that, like every other song, I am just, I am digging. You talk about these songs and like parents come up to you and say they love it. Kids love it. And that's what you want. Like that's good feedback. And like you were saying the whole time that you're there for children, like you're, you're trying to help them through it. The idea of being brave. But I want to ask you kind of like an in-depth here is like how many times during this whole kind of pandemic, post-pandemic, did ye have to put on a brave face? I know people are going to say ye. I'm a Newfoundlander. I'm allowed to say ye. But it's like, because, mm -hmm. listen, I come from a podcast kind of thing, and, like, I can post episodes with Saget, with Stamos, with anybody that we've had on, and I go into the comment section, and it's mostly, like, love John Stamos, love Bob Saget, and there's nothing really, like, there that's saying, like, hey – you know, I, I'm the host. I did an okay job. It's like, they're there for the guests. And I get that, but that's something that I have to like wear as like, Hey, that's, that's good. They came to see him and they're not complaining about me. So I'll take the win. <laughs> but like, are there times that ye kind of had to amp up your own selves? Because yes, the kids are coming up to you. Parents are coming up to you saying yes. But when you don't get that feedback, but you know, it's good. Are there times that both of you had to kind of be like, we're getting there. We know this is good but we're just not getting that feedback yet. I just know personally with um, maybe writing the writing process of some of the songs and then hearing it back, sometimes yeah. you're just like, I, I don't know if that's going to work and your insecurities sort of eat you alive a little, but you do, you have to put on a, a good face and you have to trust. That's the thing. You really have to trust yourself and fall forward 
That's the only way to, to do it. That's where my personal insecurities, um, or you say ye, I would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would have to um, kind of pull up my uh, big pants and just be like, okay, this is going to work. I know it, it might not be now, or maybe Sunshine doesn't like this part, but, but we're going to fix it and it's going to work. What was your take on that sunshine? Like, were there moments that you had to kind of, cause I know you're saying that you were pregnant, maybe not as much like now, these are my words, feel free to like cut me off and say no, mm -hmm. but like you're not as say as involved as you'd want to be because now you're pregnant. You're trying to make sure that the, the baby's okay. You're still trying to get this album out. And like, there's a whole lot to go into that. I'm not a mother. I'm not going to pretend mm -hmm. to be one, but it's just a, like, you know, you're trying to balance two things. And then you're kind of trying to make sure that you put on this face for everyone to be like, okay, don't, don't show that you're kind of cracking or a little like not all there at some point. So were there moments that you even had to amp up yourself of like, oh my God, let's just get through it. And it will be rewarding at the end. For sure. For sure. Not in any dramatic way though. I think. Oh, that's what uh, we want. We want the dramatics. No, I, drama. <laughs> no, um, I think, I mean, I, I really have to hats off to our producer who is exceptional and he, Andrew Matcham and like, we couldn't love him more because he really understood that I couldn't be as available and I trust him like I have never trusted with them. I mean, this is our sixth album and he did two of the albums. This one, he actually mixed, mastered, produced like this one. We gave him full reign, but I trust him so much and I love his work so much and he understands us. So he knew if I went in for two hours, which was a big deal, right? Like I had to find the time to leave for two hours. He made sure that like I was out and he and Brock, also stepped up their game so hard where it was like, okay, she isn't as available, but like, we've got this. And they really, they held down the fort. And like, I, I, that's where I, I feel like obviously I was very involved with the process, but definitely not as I normally am. And I almost enjoyed it because there's a part in our careers and, you know, we have our publicist and we have management and whatever, and sometimes it's like, I just want to show up as sunshine. I don't want to yeah. show up as like sunshine, the, you know, I just want to show up and then I yeah. want to go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they allowed that. They allowed me that freedom, which I'm very grateful for. I want to ask, cause I mean, again, implementing a little bit of the in-depth side of things, like a little bit of relatability, I guess. Cause this is probably like maybe 170 odd episodes of doing this. Wow. But like, you know, comparing it to if you go back and like listen to the first episode compared to now, yes, you're still going to have learning curves. Yes, there's going to be times where you're trying to like, again, with the social media world, try to figure out how do I get to the most people? Like, how do I do this? But there also has to come a point where you're kind of like, who am I doing it for? Like, am I enjoying it? Like, what's the whole idea? I found in the first few episodes of this, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, this is who I want to get on. And this is how I want to like get through my internship at a school and then be like, I'm done. I'll move on. I'll do CTV, CBC, whatever. And then when I realized like, Oh, okay. Like they're not knocking at my door. And even when I knock at their door, they're not exactly answering. I'm like, how, how do I continue? So then it just became an option of let's continue and see where it goes. And now I just kind of look at it and be like, no, I like doing this way more than, you know, knocking at someone's door and saying like, okay, hire me. It's like, I oh. like doing this, but like, there just, it came a time frame where I was like, that's where it transitions. So I guess my question in saying that is 
do you find from the first time you performed your first album to now, there are like little tricks that you've learned, little things that come along the way that you're like, Hey, remember when we did this in like the first album compared to now looking back at it, like that was kind of silly, but at least we learned from it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, obviously you're, you're totally right. We, we always learn from stuff. We learn you either win or you learn, you, you don't yeah. lose. So, you know, in our earlier stuff, there were, there were some great uh, songs that we loved, but we, we knew that we could step it up. We've grown with the kids that yeah. we sing to and our music has grown and um, not necessarily become more sophisticated, but it has developed into better songwriting. And, and we've learned how to take those tools with us along the way, not necessarily just identifying them uh, as a subject, but uh, just knowing that mm, that's not really going to work with this audience. We have to be more interactive and we have to consider performing these songs live. And that was a yeah. big thing that Lisa said that we have to consider performing these songs live. We can't just put the song on an album for kids just to listen to at home. It's important to have those parts of the song integrated into it. So when you mention that, like, tell me a little bit more detail of like, cause I just, I'm kind of curious, like what kind of things were you worried about? Like compared to like a studio compared to live? Cause I know, some acts would be like, Oh, well, we got to leave out this word or I can't actually perform this because like, how do I kind of get that in there? Or there could be like certain instruments that they implement that they have in a studio, but it's probably harder to go on tour with. Like I can imagine not that I have, but it's easier to probably find a trombone in a studio and be like, Hey, trombone player, or like, you know, tuba player, let's get in here. But then on a tour, you're like, man, you got us in 50 States. We're going across 12 provinces or 10, whatever. And I got to carry this tuba around. I'm like, can you just, can you just put it on a voice demo or something so I can just not? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have, fortunately we, we use backing tracks. So okay. they really fill in that part of the, the volume part of it. When we look back to our old songs, they're, they are amazing. And yeah. they're, I'm actually shocked. Our first album is called the sunshine and broccoli jam. And we started 21 years ago. So I think we put out that album about 20, maybe 18 years ago. Okay. And when I ran into parents whose kids listened to that, we had this song called I Want to Be. And then it was like, I want to be a sour key. So I'll run into parents now. They're like, oh, I want to be a sour key. <laughs> and so I think that it actually was really interesting. One of my good friend's kids um, they have the album, our first album in their car. I I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you what songs are on it. I I, I don't yeah. know the lyrics. I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> and one of the girls sent me a video of her singing the song that I wrote called Starlight, and I was like, that is a good song. Did I write that? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, so that's you know, for us, it's important that as because we gig a lot. Thank God. And so we have our set list and we know our stuff ins and outs and what works and what doesn't work. But because we perform so much, it was important that the songs that we're choosing to write, not all of them, but majority of them are really good interactive performing songs. Mm -hmm. I feel like being self-critical of yourself is okay. Just don't beat yourself down. Like I, I guess in a nice way, like pound yourself a little bit, but don't give yourself a knockout punch. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're you're so right. And the fortunate thing with uh, both Sunshine and myself going to musical theater school, we learned a lot 
from that. We learned yeah. a lot from there. Certain things we would, uh, when we would sing, we would do things with our tongue and, and it would just be so, but we would be called on it. So we would know not to do it and know how to perform and perfect our performance part. And so thankfully through that program, I think we've learned a lot of those tools from there. Also working with our producer, who really is a musical genius. You know, my voice is a little bit more powerful and I like to belt it out. And he really had me tone it down. And even though I really wanted to belt most of the time, I trusted that he really knew the vibe of the song and the album. And so I just kind of did what he asked me to do. And because I knew he had a bigger vision. Mm hmm. I want to ask, like, in getting to that dynamic, like, how many times do you guys probably butt heads on any given day? And then how does it get solved? Is there someone like, listen, I'm sorry? Or is it more or less like, you know what? I'm the sour key today. I'm a little bit sour. <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer this one. Yeah, you can answer that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, listen, Brock's like my brother. Yeah. Like, we've been best friends for 20 20- four years you know and so yeah it's crazy so of course we bunt heads i want to kill him like 90 percent of the time (laughs) so of course like we are i listen we we have a very successful following a very successful business and i think that life changes and life grows and i don't have the same time that i used to and Brock, I don't know. What do you think, B? Well, well, what I think is that Lisa's actually really good at this. Um, she's good at confronting things that are issues or, or problems. She's like, listen, we need to talk about this. Let's talk. And it, you know what? You come through the gate. It might be hard and it, it's not comfortable talking about it, but we always come out of it with something and realize we really are here together and we nurture each other's relationship and we love each other. And, and through this, we've created something so amazing, but it, she's just so good at when there's, when there's a block or when there's some dissonance between us, she's really good at nipping it in the bud. And so we can move forward with what we need to do. That's good. You always want one in the group that can like, kind of, you know, the, the easy guess way to say it is like they tackle it they're they're still nice about it but if there's times where it's like they they have to be a little bit like direct they can i know for my personality i'm not I, i'm more of like i guess a chandler bing where it's like i can interest you with a sarcastic remark uh if i feel like you're really down and out then yes that's when i'll come and be like uh sure how can i help you like let's let's get through it let's put on serious brian but for the most part it's like I'll be the funny guy and like try to cheer you up that way. But if I know that you're really down and out or you're really concerned, then sure I'll do my best. But I'm still like, if I'm being honest, there are times that someone's like go through a real deep issue. And I'm like, I don't know how exactly to relate. I'm walking on eggshells here, but I'm going to try my best. But I feel like that's all you can really do is try your best to help someone out. And if, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that that's it. But I do like the dynamic that at least you guys are approachable and saying like, Hey, I know my limitations. I know when I'm stepping out of bounds. I know when I'm a sour key. I know when I'm a sour patch. I know when I'm a gummy bear. Like, I know all that stuff. Kids are probably out there if they're listening to this and going, like, I'm completely lost. Was I ever a gummy bear? Like, was I ever a gummy bear? It's like, trust me, at one point you were. 
Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors, activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn, Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. I want to ask, like, I guess in a kind of a fun aspect of things, like, what kind of things do you enjoy about performing now? Because, again, going back to the whole virtual side compared to the, the reality of actually doing it, like, yes, you like the audience. Yes, you like being able to see parents and them coming up and telling you, like, hey, man, like, you just saved me three hours of, like, pulling my hair out. <laughs> like, what other things do you enjoy about just the live atmospheres? A good question, because we just had our CD release show. We did two back-to-back shows. And I can only speak for myself is that, you know, performing is my roots. It's my happy place. It's it's where I feel, like, so self-expressed. If, if I ever had a doubt in my mind that I was meant to be doing something, like, this is it, 100%. And the feedback that we got, or I got from, um, you know, people in the audience were like, you're such a good performer. And I, like, I, I, I know that because I feel it. Yeah. It's not that I'm, I'm tooting my own horn. I'm really not. Okay, I'm just good. more like, no, 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 no. It's not an ego <laughs> thing. It's more that I see the reaction from kids and I see the reaction and I know how to get them. It's like, I mean, I've been to kids concerts or, you know, kids classes And I'm sitting there like, oh, God, like this is what parents are saying, where it's like your music's so enjoyable and it's so this. But I've been the mom who's sitting there being like, oh, God, like (laughs) if I had to listen, listen, my kid also loves like Peppa Pig and Blippi. And we embrace these songs in our house. We listen to them often. Yes, Yes, Peppa Pig. Peppa. (laughs) But. I get it. I mean, we're creating really good music and it's, it's really what's cool about this album is that the parents and the kids can really enjoy it together. I yeah. feel like, you know what, in, in my own relative sense, cause again, like I'm, I don't have kids. I can't sit down. Like, I feel like if I sat down and listen to sunshine and broccoli, like without, you know, people asking me to, they'd be like, what's on the go here, bud. Uh, but like for me, I kind of related to like a Sharon Lois and Bram when I was growing up. It used to be always on like NTV at like six or seven in the morning down here in Newfoundland. My brothers one year for Christmas when I was like 18 or 19 thought it was a great gift to give me the CD. And they're like, we were so annoyed by you because you were very adamant to have this on all the time. And it drove us nuts. And I'm like, as a kid, you're like, man, it's just a CD. It's not a big deal. But now with a niece and nephew, when they wanted to watch Pepper Pig all the time, and you know whatever like the wiggles i was kind of like all right like love you but can we turn on something else like come on like it's okay but like 24 7 not for me 
But I'm not the target audience, I don't think, for the Wiggles. I'd be concerned if I was. If Emma Watkins, well, she's not, <laughs> no longer a Wiggle, but if she came on and was like, for all the 20-year-olds out there coming to my concert, I'd be like, Emma, you're not going to sell tickets. Go towards the kids, the bow, everything. That will work. Me? No. I want to ask you for a bit of the fun aspect to kind of close it down here. Do you guys want to play a game of random questions? Sure. Yeah. This is this is where we break up the groups. This is where the the whole thing goes to down the drain, and then people are like, "I can't believe you broke up the group." No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first random question we have generated here is, "Who is the biggest complainer?" <laughs> um, uh, I, I would say Sunshine. She, she, I'm glad yeah, she wrote her hand. Yeah, for yeah. That. I'm I, just waiting for Brock to say me. It just, it just, it just yeah. been like awkward twenty minutes. I was like, uh, I, someone has. I would. I, I, but yeah, not not in a bad way. It's just no, no. you know, there's certain things that are, are let up for requirement for us that don't follow through, and and you know that's she where that charge stem from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah there you go. There's a who's more like in control or who who's the one yeah, that like acts is. fast. There you go. I yeah. feel like that's that's a good cop out because if I said that to my soccer team, they'd just be like, they'd be like, you're like the guy who just you know goes to the ref and if the call doesn't go our way, and I'm just like, that's just a nice way of saying that I'm mad all the time. <laughs> and then they're just like, well, we didn't say that, you did. And I'm like, okay, fair. What's your favorite kind of like fast food or meal treat when you're performing? Like once you're done performing, it's something that you have to have. I will say once I'm done a podcast, if I had it around, I love some sour keys. I wouldn't do them during a, a conversation because you just see me like be like sucking on sour keys, and then they'd be like, "What is he doing?" And I'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> next question." <laughs> well, that's a great question. I know that um, Sunshine and myself, when we just finished one of our last concerts, we went right to McDonald's. And- Literally. Yeah, I was like, I need McDonald's. (laughs) She's like, I don't care. We're getting it now. And I'm like, that's a great idea. That's what we're doing. So, yeah, I think McDonald's is a nice reward after doing a hard show. But we don't do that often. Not all the time. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. 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 I I feel like my like if I had to go to a go to reward, I'm actually having like my brother's actually coming down for uh, my nephew's christening. So he's like he was only born in September. And uh, I was like, we don't have a Pizza Hut in Newfoundland anymore. So I was like, hey, do you do you think you could bring Pizza Hut down? And he's like, really? You do this every time I come down? I'm like, well, like that's the only time I'm going to get Pizza Hut. It's like my second Christmas. I feel like for Christmas this year, I should just be like, hey, don't worry about sending me a hundred dollars. Yeah, bring Pizza Hut and we're Pizza even. Hut. And he'd be like, Pizza Hut is a hundred dollars. I'd be like, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the first song? Now it doesn't have to be Sunshine and Broccoli related. The first song you guys or you have ever written. And do you still kind of remember it or implement it in any way? Me, I'm not an artist, but I can remember the first lyrics I ever came up with was on a cold, dark night, sitting on a half pipe. And that's as far as I went. And I was just like, I was like, all right, done. Someone else finished the rest of the song. <laughs> wow, that's a good question. I, I remember I wrote a song in Sheridan, Find You. I, and <laughs> honest, that's the only lyric I remember of it. Um, <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's it for that song. But I, I remember that. And I was like, I don't know if this is good. And I got a good reception from that song. I wrote another song and it was bad. And I was yeah. just like, I don't know if I can do this. So that, that was my first recollection of that. That's like quite the performance when you go up on stage and be like, all right, I got a song for you guys. Are you ready to, are you ready to hear it? And then they're like, yeah. And then they're like, 
find you and then you just leave and they're like that was the shortest song i ever heard yeah <laughs> it's a one second song yeah yeah, yeah. I never really wrote songs um, okay. until Sunshine and Broccoli. So we wrote the Welcome and Goodbye song, which we sing at every single show. Yeah. So it's 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 going strong. I I just, I just think it's interesting because when so when I mentioned the the Cold Dark Night half pipe one, like that was during a phase where there was like a lot of all time low Fallout Boy. Oh yeah, kind of, nice. like you know the kind of okay. grunge. I guess the more or less the emo punk emo. phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like we did have a half pipe, like a, a skate park nearby. And the irony of it is, is I would be like the biggest phony to go out and perform. They'd be like, "Oh, so you, you skateboard, right?" And I'd be like, "No, literally, I just watched people skateboard and thought it was cool." There, <laughs> and they'd be like, "Why don't you write something about you know?" I'm like, "Because nobody wants to hear." On a cold, dark evening, I played PS2 alone. They'd be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not as dramatic. That, no, no. But today there'd probably be kids related to that. And they'd be like, man, during the pandemic, I did play a lot of PS2. Yeah. And I'd be like, I'm, that, I'm just, I'm just like 20 years late. That's all. And you wrote a hit. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I wrote a hit, but no one hears it. That's how it goes. I want to ask, I guess for the last one here, uh, before we clue it all up is what is your biggest pet peeve? Pet peeve. Inconsistency. Inconsistency. That's a good one. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Jeez, I was going to say people who don't signal when they're driving. Like, the sunshine is way she better. Just goes, she just or, goes, she goes right, way deep. She has it already mastered. Rude. People being rude or ungrateful. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. My biggest pet peeve. I mean, there's plenty, but mine probably would be like, now I say this, love my parents, but there are times where they will yell out to me in this room and I will yell back. And then they will yell out again and I will yell back and they act like they don't hear me. And then there's other days that I can yell like the biggest thing in the world down here. And they will tell me to please be quiet. And I'm like, like, but but like five seconds ago when you yelled out and I said, yes, yes, they couldn't hear that. But I could be in a room playing a game. I'd be like, man, that stupid goalie. And they'd be like, Brian. And I'd be like, (laughs) how did you hear that? But not other things like I know it's not the big like I'm sure I have a bigger pet peeve than that but just recently that's kind of like where it goes with me where it's like because I'm in the house with them and then I can say something and then I'll yell out to them and then if I do that same exact thing where I'm just like hello can you hear me they're like attitude but then (laughs) vice versa they're like what I couldn't hear you I'm just like I can never win That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Sunshine and Broccoli for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thank you for listening and good night. Do. Did. Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Kids, I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have, have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because democracy, democracy is something you do. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.